0: Good afternoon everyone. Welcome to the podcast The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Steven Wilson. My name is Steven Wilson and I am a drug addict in recovery and I am a victim of childhood sex abuse. I am active in Narcotics Anonymous and I attend group therapy for survivors of sex abuse. This show is for people who identify as a victim the show is for people that may feel a bit alone or isolated because of what took place earlier in their life or maybe what's going right on right now in their life and the show i am going to expand it a little bit but uh, it is predominantly going to remain the same format and for those of you that are new, I begin every, every podcast by reading some verse or poetry, prose, from one of my favorites. It may or may not have something to do with the topic of the show, but today's show is going to be about self-help books and the concept of blame and shame. But to begin, I am going to read some Robert Frost, the poet. This one is entitled, Into My Own. One of my wishes is that those dark trees, so old and firm they scarcely show the breeze, were not at tour the merest mask of gloom, but stretched away into the edge of doom. I should not be withheld, but that someday into their vastness, I should steal away, fearless of ever finding open land or highway where the slow wheel pours the sand. I do not see why I should ever turn back, or those should not set forth upon my track to overtake me, who should miss me here and long to know if still I held them dear. They would not find me changed from him they knew only more sure of all I thought was true. That is the poem Into My Own by Robert Frost. Okay, uh, this show is going to change up a little bit. I had been doing some therapeutic tools called Letter To, to the people that I had wronged or people who had abused me or hurt me in my past. And this show is something that came out of a group session and it was the topic by the moderator about individuals in the group that had access or had made some attempt before they had gotten to therapy or while they were in therapy to use some self-help books and one of the books that I've actually read and there were two other members of the group it is called It wasn't your fault, and the author is Beverly Engel, a psychotherapist. Now, the issue of self-help in just about any form of therapy has always been a little bit dicey at best. Psychology and psychiatry, they sometimes, they blur the lines of logic and reason because they're dealing with the human condition and as we are a flawed species, it is infinite the problems that we face and the way that we deal with them but one of the reasons that the group therapy works is that every man in the group has been sexually abused all of our stories are different but there is a commonality every one of us suffered because of somebody else's action. And today we're going to be going over a book that a couple of us in the group had actually read. Uh, The moderator had had some acts to it, but... um, Most of the self-help books that you'll find that deal with people that have been abused it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual abuse, it could be physical abuse or emotional abuse, or it could be the void of any kind of concern, something like neglect, is that most of the people that publish books, they have some sort of treatment modality for the reader. And the book that we're going to be going over today, it wasn't your fault. Freeing Yourself from the Shame of Childhood Abuse with the Power of Self-Compassion by Beverly Engel. Now, as someone who did study experimental design and psychology and sociology and psychiatry, I've always found that the self-help category to be a little bit more astrology than anything else. And in doing so, it's always been a little bit sketchy. It's always been a little bit suspect. And I'm not trying to put one book out there in front of another. If self-help actually works for you, um, then that's great. But um, the reason that I'm picking on this book is because of some of the particulars that are used in the book. And one of the things that the author uses is, a at the time, uh, and, and this would have been, according to her, her bibliography, this would have been about 10 to 15 years ago, that there was a neurological study done on the way that the brain deals with post-traumatic stress disorder, which is just about every everybody that's a a victim of abuse, we all suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, and she brought up that the, the brain has its own defense mechanisms, and it brought up the concept of the, the fight or flight, but in particular, she brings up a hormone that is sent out from the brain called oxytocin. And she uses this as, uh, it's actually referenced there by a neurological study. But this particular hormone is released. And the hormone is something that is used to make us feel more connected. A sense of calmness comes over us. Uh, Theoretically, it helps us build trust, and the way that it is explained in the concept, the umbrella term that she uses called self-compassion. Now, to be clear, self-compassion is something that is rather new, and I'm not aware of anybody else really using the term currently in, in therapeutic or treatment modalities but this is really her term and it goes along with her entire book, her, her program, because she believes that the cure for shame is self-compassion. And the issue is, is that in therapy, as a victim of abuse, at some point in time, you have got to address the concept of what exactly are you trying to survive? There's no way around it. You, you've got to go to the mother womb. You've got to go to the genesis primer uh, You've got to go to the cause in order for you to understand or even get close to the effect Now according to this book Shame is something that she believes is the primary problem with people that have suffered abuse and I think it's only fair that I tell you that one of the reasons that uh, I initially gave this book some credence is the fact that Beverly Engel in the book openly admits that she herself was a victim of physical and sexual abuse as well as neglect. And this is important because I can tell you from my own personal experience in the past year or so The individuals that have never suffered from sexual abuse they're basically talking out of their ass they don't know what they're doing they're using their paper trail they're using their credibility from the school they studied Uh, they're taking all of their cues from the plethora of case studies that they went through and and the fact is is that they don't know what they're talking about because you have to be a victim in order for you to make that transition into being a survivor. And this is another topic in her book where she differentiates that transition. What is guilt? What is shame? What is a victim? What is a survivor? And, of course, second verse, same as the first, you have to be able to deal with that one question, what are you trying to survive? Well, for somebody like myself, being raped and sexually abused by somebody in the educational system with a position of authority, I wasn't able to comprehend what was happening. And I do agree with her that there was a great amount of shame there was guilt and in her book I'm not going to read all of them but in her book she goes through and has a questionnaire for the reader and the questions obviously they're just another instrument to get the person to open up but one of the questions did you or do you feel you deserved the abuse Now, to the passerby, that question may seem to be a bit of a trifle, but it's not. Her survey is a little campy, but there are some questions like that, that by themselves, they would require a great deal of therapy. To do that in a survey, a questionnaire, you can't really give that a yes or no because that's something, again, that you're, you're, you're dealing with that question, what are you trying to survive? And as a child, you don't understand what's happening to you. And for Beverly, when she goes through all of these things, with, and, and I, again, I'm not trying to put her on the bullseye, but the, the entire concept of self-compassion to me just seems a little bit weak because I don't think you can find balance in the scale of life when you carry a great amount of shame, the guilt, because you don't exactly have a chance to go up to your abuser. I never was able to talk to the teacher and, and get the things that I wanted to understand. That's part of the reason why I went into experimental design in college. And I always wanted to know, why me? And I suppose that would have to go under blame. Was I to blame? Was, I'm the, was I the one that caused this whole thing? Because as it turned out, he made several boys jump for their towels after we got out of the shower. And in dealing with someone like Beverly Engel, in dealing with somebody that uh, has had experience as a victim, they've gone into university, they've, they've done the work, and they've come up with a theory my problem is, is the fact that there can't be a universal codifier. By that I mean there is no magic skittle other than death. Because that's the only way that you're going to find calm. That's the only way that you're going to find peace. In the book she is quite thorough in the fact of what exactly happens post hoc what kind of life do you have after the abuse has taken place? Because we are all left to our own device. We are immature. We are too young to understand. And for myself, there was always a question of my own sexuality. And she does go into some detail about the after effects of the suicide attempts and drug addiction my coping skills were more into the um, well the darker side of life it wasn't just the drugs but a reckless lifestyle and I started rather early but the idea that self-compassion can even take place is something that I doubt. Because compassion innately is about something in the external. And I do not understand how someone can come up with a concept that belongs in the external and decides that it should become internalized because it's going to be able to remedy the shame. Well, the shame isn't necessarily the most or the biggest pressing issue. Some people, they just want it to go away. They want the whole thing to go away. They want to, well, for myself, part of my coping skills is that my body remained in the office and in his car, but my mind went somewhere else. And when I did come back, when things were done, when he had finished his whatever he was doing, those are the things that in my therapy it had to be dealt with. And I don't mind having somebody bring in a self-help book to group. I don't have a problem with somebody sharing a story and sharing their own treatment and maybe it's gonna work for somebody else because maybe it will. I mean right now I'm I'm making a podcast that probably nobody's ever gonna to listen to. Maybe I'm just talking to hear myself talk. Maybe this is a form of therapy. I know that my artwork that I'm doing through art therapy is probably never going to get through an art gallery because the content is just too horrible, it's too horrible, and when I start talking about survival, in a way, we are all surviving something, but it is the method of that survival that we call life, and for myself, I chose a path that for the, over the past 30 some years, has, I've done some horrible things to people. And dealing with the pain, dealing with the abuse, I buried it rather deep. It wasn't compassion that I needed. I didn't need a pity party. I didn't need somebody to tell me that they understood my pain when they had basically just heard about it through a case study or they had written a paper or they had something published in a peer-reviewed journal. I am not trying to hit the people that believe that self-help books are the way to Valhalla. I just questioned the idea that being sexually abused, being raped, being molested actually has a cure other than death I know that there are people that can still function I can still function but in a comparison rationale in a subjective way I may not be doing very well the entire concept of normal. is not going to be found in the social sciences. But here in the United States of America, people with mental illness, people that regardless of what they're suffering from or the causation, we're always put on the outside, on the margin. And so, I just wanted to say that the past group session that we had—it just confirmed for me that there is no one thing that's going to fix everybody. I don't mean, in, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to the author, Beverly Engel, or her book, or her theory, or her methodology. And I'm sure that it, people are still going to continue to publish books that are going to try to address things that have happened in their own life. Maybe for the same reason that I'm doing a podcast about addiction and identifying as a victim, identifying as a victim of sex abuse. One thing that I did find, and this is what I'm going to close on, is that in the back of the book, Beverly gives us a poem, and I thought that I would go ahead and finish it and read the poem to you. The poem is entitled, To the Innocent. You were born innocent, but that innocence was taken from you before it should have been. You were forced to see things and hear things and feel things that children should never experience. Things that made you feel tainted and spoiled and damaged. Things that robbed you of your wholeness. You spent the rest of your life trying to wash it off. The filth, the grime, the garbage of abuse. You spent the rest of your life trying to return to your innocence. Let the waters of compassion cleanse you of your shame. It wasn't your fault. It was never your fault. You were innocent. You were pure. In your heart and soul, you still are. Embrace your innocence. Let it permeate your being. See it. Hear it. Feel it. Reconnect with it. Return to it. It is who you really are. Well, that's all I have for today. You have been listening to The Leaves for a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. Be a blessing and may you find serenity.